Saudade! Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 141, we have three Liga weeks left, one round of the Taça de Portugal as well. Basically, four matches left domestically before we begin World Cup preparations. Uh, we just had a fantastic week in the Champions League with Portuguese clubs. Not so good of a week with Braga in uh, Europa. A uh, lot of talk after Rafa's performance uh, the other day against Juventus. Some people calling for Rafa to come back to the national team. I've got a few things to talk to you about that. Uh, I'm going to give you my updated Portugal squad selection list for the World Cup. Uh, I'm going to do it every week leading up to, of course, the first match against uh, Ghana. Uh, Portugal 26-player list. Fernando Santos will announce his list with a lot of pomp and pageantry, I'm sure, on uh, November uh, the 10th, which is a uh, Thursday. I'm uh, going to give you my latest update in terms of, uh, you know, what are the latest players that I think will be on. And, and it's commenting as well about some of the players abroad that I deserve, to, that I think should be looked at. Uh, Liga B-Win preview for Week 11, second division report, previewing uh, next week's, uh, the final match day of the Champions League. Obviously, everything being condensed this year because of the World Cup. Uh, big 3 report. Uh, and obviously talk about Braga as well as Atletico do Jarcos, my local team, which continues to do very well uh, in the uh, districts. But before I get going, um, gentle reminder for everybody that Portugal... So obviously, if you're not in Europe, this would obviously affect you. I know this definitely affects you in North America. Uh, this Saturday night, early Sunday morning... Uh, Portugal and major, obviously most of Europe will be pushing their clocks back an hour. So essentially what that means is starting on Sunday right through the following week, uh, which in our case in North America is that following Saturday on the uh, 7th, uh, there'll be a four-hour time difference if you're in, let's say, New York, Toronto, Boston, Montreal, Philadelphia, where I have a lot of my followers. Uh, there'll be a four-hour time difference uh, for the game. So on Sunday, uh, when the... Uh, games are going on, it won't be a five-hour time difference, it'll be four. And don't forget, uh, and this is always very strange when it happens with the Champions League and the Europa games, you know, a game that uh, we are used to seeing here in North America, let's say at three o'clock in the afternoon, which is eight o'clock in uh, Portugal, uh, that basically means now that that match is actually starting at uh, four o'clock. And by the way, let me tell you, as somebody that lives in North America on the East Coast, uh, I tell this to people that live in Europe all the time, and when they come here to the States and they happen to be here during a Champions League match, they see the difference. But it is not easy being a fan and knowing your teams or teams are playing on a Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, uh, which is not easy because most of us are working. Um, it is not, not very easy. We usually have to get help to do some of our social media. But um, very interesting. So, uh, so, again, Portugal's clocks will be falling back this weekend, one hour, so it'll essentially be a four-hour uh, time difference, a seven-hour time difference in Los Angeles. 
Uh, and obviously, in your part of the world, I think you also lose an hour with regards to you know Australia and, and places uh, like that. Uh, which, by the way, means if you're in Paris, I believe the time difference now uh, actually it's still one hour. Excuse me on on that one. So just an FYI, clocks fall back in Portugal next week. They'll be they will fall back, and everything will be once again normal uh, the following week when it uh, falls falls back in uh, North America. But we got a preview. Well, it was really a very good week this week in uh, Portugal, and uh, we obviously have to start with the Champions League, uh, you know, kind of reviewing everything that went on. Portuguese clubs right now are having their best Champions League campaign ever. 28 total points among Porto, Benfica, and Sporting. It is the most that Portuguese clubs have ever accumulated. Um, there's still one match day left, so there's a chance to add to that total. Obviously, Benfica and Porto have both qualified. But they will be taking the final match day seriously in terms of Benfica going to Maccabi in Israel uh, and as well as Porto playing at home to Atletico because, number one, the players and managers are going to tell you we play to win every match, it doesn't matter, yada, yada, yada. But they are going to play to win. But two, every match you win in the Champions League is worth a million and a half euros. And believe me, clubs want that million and a half euros. We rely on that money. Much in the way that Portuguese clubs rely on the money of selling players. So you may not necessarily see the best 11, but you're going to see a pretty decent 11. Maybe 7 out of 11 regulars are going to play, you know, something like that. And um, and then, of course, you know, Sporting has to play, though. You know, obviously a win would be good. They need just a, a draw. Last year, Sporting clinch knockout qualification beating Dortmund at home. Now they have a chance to play Eintracht Frankfurt at home. Uh, word in Lisbon is a lot of fans, Frankfurt fans, are trying to get tickets to go to this match to give their club as much support as possible. Frankfurt, big city in Europe with a major airport that serves a lot of connections uh, in uh, Europe, especially uh, to everything east of uh, Frankfurt. Uh, a lot of fans want to go to the game. And I remember a few years ago when they played Arsenal, I think there was something like 30,000 fans at the Emirates, and people couldn't understand how they got tickets, but they did, and they had to delay the match. And it was a whole crazy thing. If you're an Arsenal fan, you know what I'm talking about. But Sporting will be playing at home against Frankfurt. They just need the draw, and if they do, they will qualify for the second straight year. So Portuguese clubs right now, we've really got to be very happy when comparing the past to what's going on this year. We've got to be very, very proud. to, And, and, and Portugal's also could possibly have, if Sporting qualifies for the first time in history, three Portuguese teams make it to the Champions League knockout stage. And that would be fantastic. More money for Portuguese clubs, obviously in this case, the big three. Uh, it's just something that you want. Now, when it comes to the European rankings... You know, I was having this conversation with some people about, yeah, it's, it, it's much more money to be made going to the knockout stages of the Champions League. A lot more money to be made there than you would if you were in the uh, Europa Conference League. But one of the challenges that we're having, though, when it comes to the UEFA rankings is, you know, on Tuesday, after all the matches were played, we jumped ahead of, by a half a point, of Holland. Uh uh, we were in seventh. We jumped into sixth place. They fall into seventh place. Uh, and we were happy on Tuesday night. I know I was happy because I tend to look at things. You know, many of you look at things from Benfica, Porto, Sporting, Braga perspective. I tend to look at it as a whole. Uh, but then, unfortunately, what happened is, is um, you know, even though we did well on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Braga lost. 
and then the Dutch you know I've talked about this in the past you know they have clubs that are playing in Europa and in Europa Conference League and they were very successful in that and in other words right now they've got a little bit over a one-point lead on us and it's important that we finish in sixth place because sixth place you know next year it's guaranteed we will have three teams in the Champions League but this year you're essentially playing for the following year so you're essentially talking about playing for 24-25 you know to get three teams in the Champions League and in order for that to happen you need uh, Portugal to finish in sixth place because I believe they lose that spot when they go into seventh place so that's what Portugal and Holland are playing for and again it's sort of like a double-edged sword here one yeah you want the Portuguese clubs to be playing in the Champions League it's the best competition of the world more people watch that than they do at Europa you know what I'm talking about on the other hand it's also kind of dangerous because when it comes to points which will decide in the future D Dutch right now are in better position to finish in sixth place than Portugal so yeah we're happy this year but it may not necessarily be a great thing down the road and look at it from a financial aspect okay you might pick up an extra 10 million qualifying for the knockout stage but then if you're like somebody like sporting and you play city right off the bat and you lose then boom you don't make any more money you may not make that much money necessarily with the Europa League but if you have three teams competing uh, next year for a spot in the Champions League whereas obviously one of them have to still qualify just qualifying gets you around 30 million so the question is is what's better for Portugal is it better to play in Europa where you have a chance to build up a lot of points and to continue to keep Portugal in sixth place or is it better because we got to think about today and not tomorrow let's just go to the uh, Champions League and make the uh, money and you know end of story so it's a double-edged sword it's good to qualify and make money but it's bad because in the long term we're going to probably lose sixth place to the Dutch and we'll lose a Champions League spot and I think if you're a Sporting Benfica and, and Porto fan and Braga is making a case for it too although they have not been playing well very much that could affect you down the road so it's kind of a, a double-edged sword but talking about this week it was just great to see Portuguese clubs uh, do very well Benfica beating a big club like Juventus up four to one held down to win four to three Porto, to be fair to Porto fans, you know, they went to Bruges, but Bruges had already qualified. I really don't know how many players they had in their 11 compared to the previous match, but Porto did seek a bit of a revenge, so they uh, they came out doing okay. Uh, sporting, you know, they went to the Spurs, they went to Tottenham, pick up the big point, although, <clears throat> you know, toward the end of the match, we had obviously VAR that get involved and a goal that was uh, ruled, a goal was eventually overturned, and you probably saw it on the internet. There was a big uh, Spurs fan. Uh, it's a big thing you do now where you go to a game and you point a camera at yourself and you go crazy. Uh, a lot of the Arsenal fan TV guys kind of were the ones that created that. Uh, but this fan did it and he went from total jubilation at them taking a 2-1 to one lead to all of a sudden after two minutes discovering that they were going to do a review and him waiting there, waiting, waiting. And then finding out at the very end um, that, in fact, they uh, called off the goal. And if you scroll the Portuguese uh, Soccer.com Twitter, you'll be able to uh, see that uh, video. It's about two minutes uh, long. But, uh, you know, just a great week for Portuguese clubs. Not such a great week for Braga. Braga is not, you know, th there's been two Bragas. There's the first six weeks of the season, Braga, that gave up something like two goals, got off to a great start in Europa with two wins. And then there's everything since then for Braga, which has lost a bunch of matches, especially in the Europa League. 
They are not clicking on offense like everybody thought. Their defense isn't as great as well. And unfortunately, they uh, they lost uh, going to uh, Berlin. And right now, it is a very dangerous situation uh, for the uh, Portuguese clubs. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes when I uh, do the uh, review. Uh, moving along here, a lot of discussion this week regarding Benfica and Rafa. Uh, Rafa, of course, has been playing brilliant for Benfica. Uh, and there's starting to be some talk, Paulo Futre. And for a lot of people that don't understand Portuguese football to the extent that Someone really does know to know the name of Paulo Fruit, who is one of the biggest names in Portuguese football back in the 80s, 90s. He was one of the big players. You know, he played uh, abroad, played for Atletico Madrid, was the first Portuguese player to really go abroad and make a lot of money. He was the first trailblazer uh, to go abroad and become a, a superstar for Portugal. And he came out this week. Uh, did some social media. He's a very active guy in social media. He's also, of course, the same guy that's on Correio Zeminha TV, CMTV, giving his opinions. Uh, glad him to see him doing well as well because I think he had a heart problem about a month or two ago. So really glad to see Paulo Futru do well. But he was saying that Fernando Santos and Rafa need to sit down and talk about it and work out their problems because Rafa's going to come back, should come back to Portugal because he's playing well. The only problem with Paulo Futre, that statement, and Paulo Futre should know this, what are you going to do? You're going to take out Bruno Fernandes? You're going to take out all the other players that are playing for big clubs? Bernardo Silva? Uh, I think there's something to be said about players that play in the EPL and c compared to the players that play in Portugal. But Rafa's doing very well, but he's never done that great. I don't think he's even ever scored a goal for uh, Portugal. So is Fernando Santos going to listen? No. Fernando Santos is stubborn. He sticks to his ideas, and considering the way that we are, well, many of us are not happy with the way Portugal has been playing, he hasn't really changed a lot because of our disappointment in the uh, Nations League. So from that perspective, I think this conversation is all to do about nothing. Uh, even if Rafa picked up the phone and called Fernando Santos, I don't know if Fernando Santos would want him back. Again, that's all on Fernando Santos, but a lot of talk among people wondering whether or not Rafa should be brought back be simply because right now, He's one of the hottest Portuguese players, and Benfica is doing fantastic. And he's been a very big part of it, saving Benfica many times uh, this season. But again, he hasn't played with the national team, which is probably why he didn't want to be there. I mean, why am I going to get called up? Why am I just going to ride the bench and never play other than warming up? And why not just take the week off like all my other te teammates are doing that don't get called for the national team and go see my family, spend extra time with my family, Maybe, uh, you know, relax, sleep in a little bit extra in the morning. You know, do what people want to do when they go and get called up. The people that have more free time. So, a very interesting situation seeing uh, this week that Paulo Futre and, and a lot of fans were encouraging him uh, to, uh, to try to come back. And then for him to work out his problems with Fernando Santos, which at this point, it had really been a situation that it was really about Rafa not wanting to come back, that he decided to leave. It wasn't necessarily the Federation pushing him out. Um, so, but a lot of people talking about that. And by the way, what does that say about Portugal? Okay, what does that say about Portugal when you have Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, you have Bernardo Silva, you have the terrific midfielders that we have, João Paulinha, the defense that we have, Nuno Mendes, fantastic goalkeeper, Diego Costa. But when it comes to the attacking players, what does that say when we have even Raphael Leon? 
What does that say about Portugal when a player that has been with the national team for a long time has never played, all of a sudden he gets hot and people want him back in the national team to play, and people are forgetting about what we already have. And that, that my friends, is the problem, is the fact that all the power that we have already with the national team just hasn't lived up to expectation. So there's been a lot of talk about Rafa coming back. My latest prediction, again, November the 10th, the Thursday, is when Fernando Santos will announce his uh, selections. I'm not sure if it's just a regular afternoon announcement or if they're going to do a big show. I think they might do something prime time in the evening. Uh, I believe that's what they're going to do, but I'm really not sure right now. But, you know, obviously you look at who's going to be on the Portugal squad. You obviously know Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be there along with Rafael Leão and Gonçalo Ramos is my predictions. I think you're going to see uh, Bernardo and Octavio in it. I do see Pote getting into the uh, national team squad this time around, especially with Jota Hurt. Um, Ricardo Horta. Ricardo Horta's kind of disappeared. Okay, he's kind of disappeared during this uh, bit of stretch. I mean, this was a player we all know with Benfica. You know, all the talk with Benfica wanting him. And by the way, Benfica didn't really need him considering their 20 matches on without losing. But obviously there was a lot of discussion and a lot of newspaper stuff about Ricardo Horta. And Ricardo Horta lately has kind of disappeared. But these guys still think he's going to make the national team. You look into the midfield, obviously Bruno Fernandes is going to be on the team. Renato Sanchez is, I believe, started training again with PSG. He hasn't seen a lot of action. He hasn't seen a lot of action, but he has been a successful player for the national team, a lot of people felt that the most recent Euro, he was one of the better players for Portugal after Cristiano. Uh, William Carvalho, you know, is going to be with the national team along with Vitinha and Mateus Nunez. William tends to be a Fernando Santos favorite, although I think they should start Vitinha. Obviously, Ruben Neves in the rumor mill lately with uh, possibly a future deal to Barcelona along with João Paulinha. Solid two players in that position. And then you look in the back, Nuno Menge and Rafael Guerrero, Ruben Diaz and Danilo. Then, of course, you have uh, Portus Pep and Thiago De Jolo. And then, of course, you have the best right back in the world, João Cancelo. And Diego Delo, who just scored a big goal in the Europa League this week against uh, Sheriff. And then, of course, you have a terrific player and a goalkeeper with Diogo Costa. And then, of course, you have Rui Patricio and José Sá. Be curious to see. I think you're going to see Patricio. I think you're going to see Costa. The question is, and I'm going to say right now, José Sá. But I think Anthony Lopes has a shot, but I, I, I don't know if he got injured recently. I have to check up on that. And by the way, let me also say something about Portus Costa. Um, one of the things about that I say about the Portuguese league is that people spend more time paying attention to the Portuguese league, than, or paying attention, excuse me, to the Portuguese young players, than they actually do paying attention to the teams. It's, it's, it's almost more about the players and not necessarily about the matches and a perfect example and there's a lot of social media that do this take advantage of young players in Portugal try to promote them to the people that don't follow Portuguese football and then these players get sold um, you know they go to their clubs I mean look at Mateus Nunes you don't really hear about him a whole lot Wolves is toward the bottom of the Premier League you know Bruno Lage is not my point is is Diego Costa is a great goalkeeper, and he's going to be sold for a lot of money. But I guess my point is it gets frustrating at times when it should be Diego Costa in Porto and not Diego Costa, the goalkeeper, and Manchester United and all these different clubs in Europe, you know, talking about him. It gets a little bit frustrating when you think that we're constantly selling our best players, and you hope that with the centralization of TV rights, that maybe these players could stay a little bit longer. Now, I know this is a pipe dream. I know they're going to have to sell because clubs have to sell. 
But that's what happens every time. You'll see that with Vitinha of Braga. He'll start to score some goals, and then all of a sudden people will start to talk about him. And there's a whole market to promoting the players to, you know, to all these bigger clubs, but no one really that, uh, pays attention to our league, and I, I find that sometimes very frustrating. But, look, I'm happy for Costa. Three goals, sa PK saves in the group stage. He's going to be Portugal's goalkeeper, although let's not forget he was in goal when Benfica lost to Benfica, okay, whether it was his fault or not. He was in goal when we lost to Spain. So he's not 100% invincible. Obviously, in those games, Portugal didn't score. But uh, I just want people to calm down a little bit, and let's just remember, great goalkeeper for Porto, and let's, let's keep it at that, instead of people already starting to wonder if we're going to be selling him uh, next summer. Just a personal thought I have uh, about that. But those are my 26 players that I think are going to be called up by Fernando Santos. Again, uh, we've had some changes. Pedro Neto hurt. That opens up an opportunity, I think, for Neto. We obviously saw Jota hurt, so that's going to open up another opportunity uh, for players. Uh, I think Rafael Leon is going to be a very big part of this summer. Remember, he's trying to get a new deal with AC Milan. But uh, that's going to be, I think, in my opinion, the uh, very big thing. And um, let me also say, by the way, very quickly, I put up a poll on PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter, and it was essentially a poll about yes or no. Should Rafa return to Port the Silesão? And uh, close to 500 votes. 459% said yes, they want Rafa back. 41% said they did not want him back in a most recent poll, whether or not Rafa should come back. And obviously, he's got to make the decision. And then the question is, will Fernando Santos bring them back? And by the way, that'll be a whole other thing. Because if he did decide to come back and Fernando Santos says no, you know that's going to be leaked to the press. It'll be in the papers, and that's going to create another controversy. And by the way, we don't want controversy. We don't want injuries. We want everybody ready to go in Qatar because there was a some type of service that does predictions that predicted a Portugal-Argentina World Cup. I think that would be FIFA's dream as well as uh, your average soccer fan's dream that predicted Portugal-Argentina World Cup. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, a few other things to talk about last week. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored as well against uh, Sheriff. Um, by the way, Cristiano Ronaldo... We know I talked about him last week, and if you want to listen to my comments about his future, where he made the mistake, where it, he's being treated unfairly, check out episode 140. I spoke quite a bit about it. Thank you for all those you commented. I think most people agreed with what I have to say. I never expected it to be perfect. It's just not the way it works. But here's the thing about Cristiano. How many players do you know can walk off the pitch, miss the next match in the domestic league, and then come right back and play the next match in Europe. Do you think that would happen in Portugal? If a player walks off the pitch, I guarantee you that player is not going to probably play for a few months. Player is going to be sent to train with the B team. So if you're Cristiano Ronaldo, I think you need to appreciate that. It kind of shows Manchester United's, you know, what they want to do because they can't keep this guy on the bench for a very long time. But I just thought that was interesting that he kind of only suffered one game. He is being fined, I think, something like a million. A lot of money. Certainly for Cristiano Ronaldo, it's still a lot of money. But considering how much money he's made and going to be making it the rest of his life, it was probably worth a cost of one million to, to take that stand. But, you know, we'll see. And rumors about Napoli, who's been playing fantastic uh, football. Them, PSG, and Befica are the three undefeated teams left in uh, Europe. Supposedly they may be interested in him, so we'll see. I hope Cristiano stays. 
I hope he scores goals. I hope he maybe gets them back to the Europa final. And I hope he has a great World Cup. I'm hoping the best for him. Hopefully we don't have another situation where if he doesn't get to play, he gets upset. That's not going to be helpful. And remember, every time he does this and he pouts and he complains, it's just not going to help him get to another club because who wants, wants to deal with that headache? Um, and only clubs right now that are struggling may take a chance on him. So, you know, we'll pretty much see. Also, there was a big thing in Portugal this week. Um, very interesting, the government. Uh, one, they're trying to get women's sports to grow in Portugal. Great idea. Should have been done many, many years ago. Um, but another thing I saw in Portugal that was very interesting, uh, there's a new law in Portugal to criminalize pyro in stadiums in Portugal. Um, basically, they're trying to discourage it, as my understanding, within the stadium and inside the stadium. Uh, you could get a prison sentence of up to five years or a fine of 600 day or a fine of up to 600 euros for anyone who transport holds, uses, distributes, or in possession of explosive devices or articles. So Portugal's kind of tightening down on that, and I know a lot of fans are unhappy. And, you know, pyro is not a North American thing. Um, you don't see that at sporting events in America. Um, I have seen it in Major League Soccer when before the match, the supporters, are, uh, you know, they do their parade to the stadium. I have seen, uh, especially at Red Bull games and New York City FC games, I have seen the pyro in that situation, but I don't, I'm trying to think, maybe there has been some in the stadiums, but obviously not to the extent you might see it in Europe. But Portugal's cracking down, and what's really a shame about this is it's really one or two people or a group of people that are ruining it for everybody else, and I think that's what it comes down to. On the other hand, pyro is a part of the culture, and I think they would be making a very, very big mistake uh, to, uh, to change that, but they're tightening the rules, and, um, you know, there's nothing we can do but follow it if you're in Portugal. And it looks like it's going to become law uh, very soon. So that's a very interesting thing. And that wraps up part one of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. <laughs>
Uh, best case scenario, maybe they each get a point, but right now it is getting dangerous for these clubs. They cannot afford to lose a point. Um, so you have a situation this week where you have Passos de Ferreira playing Meritimo, and I think it's the most interesting match. I wouldn't say it's the best match. I think if you're going to ask me what the best match is, I'm probably going to say Santa Clara Porto only because of the history there. Um, Gil Vicente Braga is a very good match this weekend. The only problem with Gil Vicente Braga is Gil Vicente's not the team they were last year. They're not even close to being the same team that they were you know, last year. Uh, last year, this was a great game. And, of course, we all remember that Gil Vicente went to Braga and they uh, won. But I just don't think uh, this year that this is a great match. So, to me, the most interesting match is Passos versus uh, Meritimo. Uh, the RTP game this week will be Santa Clara-Porto. That's the RTP international game. And, again, these are matches that take place the usual Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, things get going again. Passos, Meritimo on Friday. Uh, Santa Clara, Porto, Benfica, Chaves, Aroca Sporting on uh, Saturday. So again, I believe this is the second straight week uh, or the second straight week in three weeks where all three are playing in one day because of the European competition. Then Sunday, you've got Portimonense, Estrela, Boa Vista, Vizela, Casa Pia, Rio Ave, Gil Vicente, Praga. And then on Monday, everything pretty much wraps up with Vitoria and Familia Cone. Uh, from two teams uh, up north uh, playing each other. Second division report, it's all, all about Moreirense. Um, they continue to lead. Uh, nine wins, one draw, 28 points. They have they have 10 points more than the second place team, FC Porto B, who has played 10 matches. Feirense is also behind 10 points, but Feirense has played one latch match. But Moreirense, not to mention that they also won the two Tassa de Portugal matches they've played so far. Um, so they are absolutely cruising right now, More Dance, and uh, the big match uh, this weekend, in my opinion. Uh, it, there's actually several good matches. FC Porto B, uh, second place, is taking on Feirense, the sixth place team. You got Benfica B playing More Dance. That's a fantastic match, I think, right there in the uh, second division. Um, but if you're asking me the best match, it's probably Benfica B versus Moreirense. A special shout-out to Turiens, the club that I've been following. They obviously replaced their manager, uh, and now they have a new manager. They've got put together two positive results, and now they are at, out of the bottom, Turiens from, from Torres Vedras. They have jumped up to 13 places. And that's the amazing thing about the uh, second division in terms of looking at the bottom. You win two or three matches in a row, and you will jump seven, eight spots in the classification. And uh, Torrientes has pretty much done that. They have uh, managed to jump all the way to 13th place. You know, this was the best team last year by far in the third division. They won the championship. They got promoted to the second division. So Moreirense is having a fantastic, uh, fantastic two weeks under a new manager that apparently is uh, seems to be turning uh, things around. And again, everything gets going. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, Turiens Mafra is the first match to uh, get things going on a Saturday uh, morning. Uh, Porto FC Porto B, Feirens from the Feira, uh, Benfica B versus Moreirens. Those are both matches that are taking place on Saturday. And then, of course, next week we have the final uh, match day. Uh, we have, of course, uh, Porto uh, playing at home to Atletico. Uh, again, Porto has wrapped up qualification, but they're going to want to still try to win uh, first place in the uh, group. Uh, Atletico pretty much playing at this point for Europa League. Uh, Porto Felix and uh, Europa League playing there for uh, third place. But Porto right now, 
uh, nine points. Bruges with ten. Bruges is going to be playing Bayer Leverkusen, who's also obviously going to be playing uh, for Europa there, third place. So Porto in a very good position, five four points ahead of Atletico. Could you know? Remember, Atletico eliminated Porto from the Champions League qualification last year, so a chance for Porto to exact revenge on Atletico and send them to not only possibly losing, but maybe Bayern, Leverkusen winning and leapfrogging them and sending Atletico Madrid out of uh, Europe. But Porto in a very good position, and I think right now they want to play for first place, which, by the way, means better seating in the uh, Champions League draw that will be uh, coming up. Um, we saw Sporting at home. Uh, Spurs in first with eight points. Sporting on track Frankfurt with seven. Marseille with six. Uh, Sporting playing at home against Frankfurt. Again, a lot of fans. Wide open, you know, this has by far been the most entertaining uh, group D of all the groups in the uh, Champions League, basically because it comes down to the final match day. And again, according to the math, all Sporting needs to do is draw, and they will essentially uh, go through having a better, um, basically my understanding is they've got a better head-to-head with Eintracht if they get the draw, because remember, they won in Eintracht. So uh, that would be Sporting. Benfica. Um, and by the way, Porto sporting matches are on uh, Tuesday. Uh, Benfica match is on uh, Wednesday, so they'll be going out to uh, Israel. And obviously, Benfica, again, uh, they're going to rest some players because they've already qualified. But you're going to hear Schmidt say that they want to play for first place. So in order to do that, they need to be Maccabi Hafa. And uh, PSG will be playing Juventus. And Juventus will be playing at home. And uh, Juventus again and Maccabi Hafa playing for the Europa spot. So Juventus has something to play for. Will PSG rest some of their better players? We're, we're going to you know, find out real uh, soon whether or not that's going to happen. Um, but that gets going. And then, of course, uh, Braga will be playing at home to Malmo. And again, Braga is really in a tough spot because Braga basically needs to win. They need to win that group, and then they need to hope that at the very least the Union uh, beats uh, Berlin, and if that happens, that'll enable them to leapfrog into second place. So again, you want Braga to win, you want Union Berlin to lose, and if that happens, then Braga, like last year, goes into that playoff in order to play into the round of 16, first place, uh, which you know right now is obviously the, the Belgium club Union saint Galois. They are automatically already heading uh, to the round of 16. Braga trying to play for second place to get into the playoff uh, to play for the round of uh, 16. And all these matches matter to a certain degree. Obviously, the Sporting and Braga ma uh, matches matter. And again, just a reminder, especially for those that live outside of Europe, Europe will be changing clocks, so keep that in mind. Uh, which for me, by the way, is great because that means that the uh, the games will be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, I think Sporting's also at 4 o'clock. Uh, I think Benfica's game might be the early game. Let me see. Who's the early game next week here? Uh, let's see. It looks like uh, Sporting. Uh, let me see. Excuse me for my uh, delay here. Uh, let me scroll up here to the top. So basically, it looks like, well, Porto Atletico is the 1745 match. But it looks like uh, the Sporting match, uh, Benfica match is at 2,100 20, hours. Benfica has been playing at 2,100 hours uh, throughout this. And the Sporting match is also at 2,100 hours. Uh, so that's uh, pretty interesting. And then the Braga match on Thursday, uh, let's see, Braga, where are you? Braga's match is also at 2,000 hours. So that's 4 o'clock in the Northeast. Uh, so that's better for me because I'll try to get out of work early to uh, go to my favorite uh, bar, uh, go to uh, watch uh, the uh, match. Um, but that's basically your preview for the Liga B win for your second division. 
as well as Europe. Uh, big three report, obviously, Befica. 20 matches without a loss. Everything just going right for uh, Befica. Going up on Juventus, obviously this is not the same Juventus from a few years ago, especially the Juventus that I saw a few years ago play Barcelona in the Champions League when I went to go see that match in uh, Berlin. What is that, six, seven years ago now? Five, six years ago? But Benfica is with Napoli and PSG as the three clubs in Europe that are undefeated. Uh, all the, there was some sad news for Benfica, though. Their B team were eliminated from the UEFA Youth League. They did not qualify. Remember, they are the defending champions. A month ago, they won the Intercontinental, the, uh, the competition between the Copa Libertadores and the UEFA Youth League champion in Europe. They won the inaugural uh, cup for that. So the fact that they will not be able to defend it is uh, pretty disappointing. Sporting and Porto, though, are both in the hunt with those competitions. I believe Porto is already qualified. Uh, but uh, Benfica B eliminated is a, is a bit of a shock, and I know that will not go down well in uh, Seychelles. Uh, great decision by Rui Costa again, 20 matches in. You have to say that hiring Roger Schmidt has been one of the best decisions he has made as the president of the club. He'd be curious to see if, if Luis Fliviedo was the manager, would he have hired someone like Schmidt? I don't know. But the way everything has turned uh, for Rui Costa, what a great decision. Porto, great video of them. They were on the plane with their uh, under-19 team because they traveled together, and they were following the Atletico match once they saw that Atletico had uh, drawn. That obviously meant that Porto qualified, and there's a great video. Again, check it out on PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter. Of the players, Pinto de Costa, Sergio Conceição, celebrating on the plane. Let me tell you, man, when you are... You ever hear people say it's going to be a long ride, bus ride home after you lose because if you've ever lost or if you've ever had a disappointment, the bus ride after a disappointment feels takes forever. But when you are happy and you're in jubilation, man, everything just goes fast. And that must have been a great ride from back from uh, Belgium back to Portugal because uh, there was some great video of that uh, with Porto. Remember, Porto started off awful, and for the way they have turned things around, has been through pretty through. And this has been the trademark of Conceição. He's always managed to get these clubs out of holes, and he's done a, a great job. Uh, Conceição, by the way, is going to be making a trip to the Azores, but last I read, I'm not sure if he has appealed it, he's suspended for the match this weekend in the Azores against Santa Clara because he said something to the effect that the classical referee was basically a Benfiquista, so... And by the way, this happened fast. This uh, this actually happened, you know, recently. Didn't happen six months ago or four months ago. This actually is being punished now. So I don't know if that's a sign of progress. I don't know if this particular offense warranted it happening right away. But it happened right away if you're a Porto fan. That, you know, you don't have to worry about this six months from now that, you know, this pretty much happened uh, now. Uh, Tareme, Champions League Player of the Week, uh, <clears throat> He has been terrific, the Iranian player. Nothing much else to say. Diego Costa, without a doubt, in my opinion, one of the better goalkeepers in the world. But let's let's keep him at Porto for a few more years. And it should be Costa and Porto instead of everyone trying to celebrate him being the next player that's going to be uh, leaving uh, Portugal. Sporting, uh, a lot of talk last week with Amorim going to Aston Villa. I don't think he would have gone to Aston Villa even if they really wanted him. Uh, but obviously Amorim will eventually go, but he's not going to be right away. Uh, big week for Sporting again. They just need one point. Uh, a lot of Sporting fans. Uh, there were some signs uh, at the Spurs Sporting game about fans complaining about the ticket prices of 60 euros. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day that went to an NHL hockey game, and they were telling me they paid like $200 to go, and they thought it was very normal. 
And I realize Portugal is a different economic system than you know United States or North America. But I got to be honest, you're talking to a lot of people. 60 euros is not bad, but we got to put it into the context that usually you don't pay 60 tickets to go to a uh, you know a match in Portugal for anything, except for maybe you know classical tickets tend to sometimes be about 50 euros. But what was interesting though is I heard some people go against those people saying, well, then how could you afford to go to London, which very expensive city, London, the pound compared to the euro these days is much stronger than the pound. Uh, I can speak from personal experience. Whenever I've been to London, it is very expensive, but um, very interesting seeing that there was a lot of complaining about that with sporting fans and then seeing the opposite opinion about, you know, why would they complain if they had, they're traveling to go to the match, you know, in London. Um, so I thought that was a pretty interesting thing. But uh, sporting uh, has been inconsistent. Are they going to drop another dud this week against the Roca? I think that's going to be the big question. Braga's not the same Braga that we all know. They have not been a very good team this last month. It's been like two different teams. Uh, they've been a very big disappointment uh, lately, and obviously if they don't. I think if they finish third, as based on red, they go to the Europa Conference League, which, by the way, maybe that's not a bad thing because if they play in the Europa Conference League and they turn around this bad luck and start playing well again like they did at the beginning of the season, maybe the Europa Conference League would be a good thing for them. Maybe it, maybe in the end, when I talk about how what's better for the future of Portugal, what competition in the long run gives you more points to maintain the teams that you want and the spots that you want in Europe. Eh, you know what? Maybe it's not necessarily a bad idea if they go to the Europa Conference League. They might do a little bit better there, whereas the Europa tends to be difficult, especially because if they finish in second place... They're going to wind up playing the second uh, a team that drops that finished second. They're going to play one of the playoff teams from the Champions League, is, is the way that I understand it. Um, and if that happens, then it gets a little bit more uh, difficult for them. So you know we'll see uh, what happens. But let me wrap it up here, like I always do. Uh, again, uh, really the big news is three weeks left in the Liga season. A round of Taça de Portugal, which will be taking place the following week. I'll have a preview next week. Um, a lot of football, pretty much every three or four days uh, going on in Portugal as, as well as, of course, in Europe, obviously because of the uh, condensed uh, World Cup schedule. And the World Cup is uh, about three weeks away, less than three weeks. Uh, if you hear this, uh, you know, during the course of uh, next week. Um, but let me start off talking about, of course, the way I always end every podcast episode. And by the way, let me just say again, thank you. The numbers have been awesome. Um getting good uh, things from Spotify and iTunes. Thank you so much. And again, um, I know a lot of you look forward to this. It's part of your routine, and that means a lot to me. And believe me, this is part of my routine when I sit down with my notes all week and I prepare to come here and give you what I believe, objective opinions. I've been tough when I had to be, and I've been good when I had to be. And again, I wish you could Google within an audio thing because so many times I talk about things and they come true, or at least... They happen later. The thought process happens later. And it's just something I take a lot of pride in. So thank you for the numbers. They've been great. Thank you for all the new listeners that I get every week and sticking with me. Um, thank you so much. And I really mean that. And again, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, TuneIn app, Google Podcast. Subscribe. At the very least, if you want to show support, subscribe to this podcast. And, and that would really mean a lot to me. And thank you for those that continue to recommend this podcast to other people. I really, really appreciate it. Again, it's about the Portuguese League. It's about the Liga. Going to promote the players. But this is a podcast about Portugal. And that's what this is all about. So thank you uh, so much. But let me get going like I am talking about 
my favorite club in Portugal, and that is, of course, Atlético dos Arcos. For all the brand new listeners, they play in the districts, which is sort of like the fifth division. I've been doing this the last two years, trying to get them to move up. My dream is to see them go up as high as second division, second tier, because they just don't have the money to be a first tier team. I just don't see it. Um, and I think it's fun. Um, the last few times they've had a chance to go up to the fourth division, they've been eliminated in the playoff. But this year they're doing okay. They uh, they won last week against the second-to-last place team, 4-0. This week it's a battle of first and second place. Limianus from Punta Lima. Oh, the wine they have there. Taking on Atletico dos Arcos. This is a match that's taking place in the Estadio do Putada. Been seeing a lot of promotion of this match. I've been hearing a lot about it around town in Arcos do Valverde. Um, a big match. Both Limianus and Arcos are in first place with 18 points undefeated. The third place team is a team called Vitorino de Pioge. They are third with 30 points. So basically there's a five-point advantage here. Um, first place gets promoted to the fourth division, fourth tier. Second place goes to the Tasso de Portugal next year. But we want first place. It's kind of a shame that only one team gets promoted up to the fourth division. I don't understand that, but I don't know. But... Uh, you know, and again, I say this every week, and eventually one day someone's going to tell the president of Atletico de Jarcus, put the damn games on YouTube, please, or stream them on Ustream, or whatever it is that you can do. Stream them on Facebook. I don't care. you got to start streaming these games because uh, the, the social media has been great. The Instagram account has been fantastic. The Facebook account is very informative. But let's get going with video. Let's, let's, uh, let's get to AA. It's 2022. Okay, this isn't Atletico dos Arcos from uh, the, you know, the 1980s. Let's get up to date. Anyway, enough about that. It's not why you listen to this podcast, but it's my five minutes to, to rant. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for your support. More football this weekend. More football next week. Don't forget the hours. More football the following week. Then we've got the Tasa de Portugal. So, hey, if you're like me, you're enjoying this time of the year. Folks, I'm going to wrap it up. Episode 141, and take care of yourselves, take care of your families, most importantly. It's getting cold in some parts of the world, so be careful, and I'll talk to you next week, folks. Ciao.